What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation, and you're listening to Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Go Raiders. Just win, baby. Hey, we're rolling. We're rolling. We got all game. Oh, all game. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome everyone. This is the full 10 yards NFL podcast. It's championship weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Just the two games to break down for you on today's podcast. We'll be telling you why each of the four teams can make it to the promised land of the Super Bowl. Helping me to do that is the one and only Mr. Retro himself. Lawrence, how you doing, pal? Awesome, awesome. Bit bit better than the um, than the behind of a certain 48-year-old police officer. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to we'll get to that on uh, very shortly indeed. But yeah, we're going to break breaking down the AFC title game, the NFC title game. Uh, going to be looking as well on fourth down. We're going to be looking at some teams or trying to predict some teams that will miss the playoffs that made it this season and vice versa. So some of those teams that didn't make it this season, but uh, we fully expect to uh, find a bit of January football again next season. But first down, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a bit of news. Um, so let's get to it. Down. Yep, so your NFL news update for you. Quite a lot of actually going on in the world of the NFL, and that's even without looking at uh, Antonio Brown and OBJ's Instagram accounts. So what did you make of all that, Lawrence? Bit of nonsense, wasn't it? Oh, ridiculous. I think the, the, the news about Odell Beckham getting a, a warrant out for him for a simple battery, which can, incidentally, include a six-month prison sentence and a, and a bit of bit of pocket change a thousand dollar fine this was this was all to do with lsu and the whole kind of after the game they were told to put out their cigars and and that, that was at the point when odell beckham decided to slap a police officer's bottom <laughs> now the only thing that i the only thing that i haven't found in my in my look in my two minutes of research about this was whether it was a man or a woman <laughs> no i don't know no, I can't say. I, I don't really want to uh, hypothesise where it could be, but there we go. Yeah, well, out of nonsense. I mean, he he should be uh, making sticking back to sticking to his game and sticking to. I know he's obviously got ties with LSU coming from there when he was in college, um, but considering the the season that he's had, considering the season the Browns have had, um, you know, he he shouldn't be doing getting involved in that kind of nonsense. He should be uh, making sure he's coming back and hard ready for next season. I know he's in, he's he's entitled to have time off, but um, yeah, not not. You're in the you're in the news for the wrong reasons. Uh, it's not it's not going to do you 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 any any um, any favors, is it? Not at all. Not yeah. at all. And, and talking of LSU, obviously, well done to Joe Burrow and the LSU team as they take home at the Natty on Monday. Uh, we'll likely see Burrow in a Bengals jersey next uh, in you know, what eight months time, six uh, seven months time. Um, yeah, but I, I, well, I will say actually one one thing on as, as much as I like to see people embrace the moment and enjoy. Where, where their hard work has all come to fruition and you know they finally got to where they wanted to get to. Uh, I couldn't help but think when uh, obviously you see all the videos of, of Joe Barrow out there smoking a cigar and just... I couldn't help but think there's a lot of Johnny Manziel about it all and um, yeah, I really hope for his sake that he's able to kind of keep it all contained and not let it all get to him. So, um, yeah. What did, you, what, did you, what did you make of all those videos of him in the cigar? Yeah, it's, it's, you can understand that, you know, he's a kid, he's celebrating... His, his stat line for the college season is historically ridiculous. Um, 
what was it, sixty touchdowns in total for the for the whole season? Something yeah, something like insane. that. Yeah. You're fastly. <laughs> so you know, bless him for it. But let, yeah, let's please hope he doesn't go down the um, the Johnny football route because that was a car crash, mm. a slow slow developing car crash that took about two or three years um and this was a guy who who had all the talent in front of him all the opportunity and completely wasted it mm, no absolutely indeed yeah hopefully you say it doesn't let it get to him a little bit and someone is there to help him guide him along and, and get the best out of his career because it would be uh, would be a bit of a waste but uh yeah, talking about talking of waste uh aaron hernandez uh, recently has the netflix documentary has recently come out as a pretty good three hours of insight lawrence i don't know if you've got netflix or if you've seen or heard anything about the uh, documentary i have i am looking forward to it i shall be partaking in that i think probably friday night when everyone's gone to bed, because I don't think anyone else in my family is going to be watching it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I going back all the way back to the Florida days. Cause he, he was a, a favourite target of Tim Tebow. He was, if yeah. I remember, yeah. Um, for the Florida Gators. Yeah. And I, in one of my little fantasy teams that I had, I actually drafted him in, in a late round, and I had an absolute bargain because the, the seasons that he did play, he was outstanding. That. Mm. And that partnership with Gronk was probably one of arguably the best two tight end partnerships in NFL history mm. for a for a short period of time. Yep. Yeah. No, so it's very um, very informative. I say quite a lot. It was just about as I was getting into the NFL, so uh, around that time, or I was in for maybe a year or two. I didn't really appreciate kind of what was going on there. But yeah, it's really insightful. And to say anyone out there that's maybe on the fence about watching it and uh, you're not sure whether you want to watch it, go and go and watch it. It was uh, it was a good three hours uh, well spent. So uh, I thoroughly recommend that. Uh, okay, a couple of retirements uh, happened this week as well since we last spoke. One probably more surprising than the other. Let's start with the non-surprising one. Antonio Gates, tight end uh, of the, of course of the LA Chargers, uh, 39 year old. Didn't actually play last season. Uh, former undrafted free agent, uh, pretty much a basketball player really for his for his college and never really played football at Kent State uh, where he went to at college, but ended up with a glittering NFL career 236 games 955 receptions and almost at 12,000 yards uh, and a position leading 116 touchdowns went eight straight Pro Bowls uh, and undoubtedly will be inducted into the Hall of Fame when he becomes eligible in 2023 Lawrence Antonio Gates big you a big fan huge huge fan I mean the guy the guy just he was the single most reliable target for the Kansas City Chiefs for um, a decade the LA, the, the LA Chargers. <laughs> what did I say? The, you said the Kansas City Chiefs. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Tony Gonzalez going, going crazy. Yeah, it's, I, I get my Chargers all confused now. They keep, they keep moving about the place. Your Samsungs um, and your but, Sonys. But, but they didn't move to Kansas City, folks, just just in case you're worrying. Lee had a heart no, attack I mean, then. Gates was uh, an absolute superstar and and along with Philip Rivers, who I don't think is is either going to be long for the Chargers or long for the NFL, it's a shame that the guys uh, between them never got a chance to showcase in a big game. Mm, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, anything anything else, Antonio Gates? No, just no. just good luck to him. I mean, mm. just just credit to him. I think he he helped that whole transition for for the entire United States for those playing basketball that thought maybe I've got a shot of football, maybe I haven't. He, he's, he managed to get a whole generation of um, 
of kids thinking, yeah, I, I can do this. Mm. I can I can convert from one sport to another if it doesn't work out. Mm, Jimmy so, Graham. Yeah. Jimmy Graham comes yeah. to mind. Um, yeah, I think I think I saw somewhere that Antonio Gates is staying with the Chargers in like a community charity kind of capacity. So uh, staying with the Chargers, but obviously not in a playing um, in, in uniform. But uh, yeah, happy retirement to him. Uh, happy retirement to Luke Keekley, the linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, just 28 years old, um, which obviously... So people of similar similar age over the last couple of years, obviously Andrew Luck, Rob Gronkowski as well. Those uh, are big guys that have retired recently under 30 years of age. Just eight seasons in the league for Luke Keekley. Um, he said in and in a kind of a, on Twitter, I think it was in a video. He said it's ne- never the right time to step away, but now is the right time for me. It's a tough decision. I thought about it a lot. I think now is the right chance for me to move on. He makes it, it makes me sad because I love playing this game. I've played it since I was a kid. It's my favourite thing in the world to do. The memories I have from this place and the organisation and playing on the field with these guys, they'll never go away. There's only one way to play this game since I was a little kid. It's to play fast, play physical and play strong. And at this point, I don't know if I'm able to do that anymore. And I think that's the part's the most difficult. I still want to play, but I don't think it's the right decision. So, yeah, obviously Luke Keekley, seven-time Pro Bowler, a five-time first-team All-Pro and 2013 um, All-Pro Defensive Player of the Year. Luke Keekley finishes his career with 118 starts, uh, 18 interceptions, seven forced fumbles, 12 and a half sacks and 1,092 total tackles. Luke, um was a bit of a surprise this one, uh, Lawrence, wasn't it? It was, but it, it kind of reminds me of when um, Barry Sanders, the former Lions running back um, shook the entire NFL world and announced his retirement with plenty of seasons arguably ahead of him. He just made the call that that was it. He did, he, he felt that his, quickly felt his performance was starting to go down Yeah, and he just didn't want to be, he didn't want the pay packet. He didn't want the fame. Um, this was a guy who, you know, he's, he's, He's a he's a small guy in stature, but in terms of his locker room leadership, in terms of what he's achieved, the most tackles over the past eight seasons, despite the fact he has had some injury knocks during his during his career. So you know, incredible way to go out. Um, I watched that. I watched that multiple times. The um, the little little kind of soliloquy to the camera. And it was it was interesting to see an NFL player kind of go from a little bit of a sort of robotic press conference into a into a bit of a quivering wreck, and mm. he kind of dipped in and out of the the emotions through that through that video. And it was it, it was great to see someone who really does care, and he he hasn't got an alternative or ulterior agenda. He just genuinely felt that he was starting to decline in terms of his play. And he didn't want to give that to the fans and the Carolina community. So total respect for him for bowing out now. Mm, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, Panthers kind of address that uh, on defense. So, um, but I suppose the good news out of all this, Lawrence, is that uh, obviously part of the being the, the retro man that you are, you can welcome him into the retro decision. So I, f- I figured it'd be quite fun um, to recognize them that and recognize any inductions into the uh, the full ten yards retro division. So I formally announce Antonio Gates, Luke Keekley, we uh, formally welcome you into the full ten yards retro division. You know where you are? You're in the retro, baby. 
I do, I do wonder why I come out with, come up with some of these atrocities, but I hope I'm a bit of fun. Um, okay, talking of fun, Larry Fitzgerald apparently had a lot of fun last season. That's why he is returning for the 17th season as an Arizona Cardinal, 11-time Pro Bowler, 2016 Walter Payton, uh, Man of the Year, uh, future Hall of Famer, of course. He's on 1,378 receptions, uh, which is 171 away from Jerry Rice's all-time record. Probably uh, a bit too far out of reach for him, even if he managed to play another two seasons. But what he can do with a full 16-game uh, schedule next season he can get inside the top 10 of all time career games uh, he can get to 264 which would be one behind Peyton Manning um, Larry Fitzgerald obviously Lawrence he's gets out of your clutches for another year it's a shame I was looking forward to tracking him down somewhere on social media in the desert and then and getting him to come on to the, the full 10 <laughs> retro show later on at some point after we've after we've passed the Super Bowl but yeah I mean I nothing but admiration for for Larry Fitz considering the amount of seasons that have been wasted in in Arizona yeah obviously that one that one trip that one magical season and that magical trip to the Super Bowl and and Fitzgerald's incredible run that 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 receiver run well you know he's going to take a, a hell of a lot to beat that run that he had when the the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl and eventually just lost to a um, Steelers a toe tap touchdown at the yeah. end yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Let's move on then. A couple of uh, coaching bits of carousel to tell you about. Joe Brady has become agreed to become the Carolina's Panthers offensive coordinator. Obviously, he played caller over in LSU, joining up with Matt Rule. So that could be a uh, fun and interesting offense. Depend, obviously, no, no Luke Keekley now as well, and uh, remains to be seen what's happening with Cam Newton. Could this mean the Carolina possibly trading up to with Cincy to get Joe Burrow? I find it very difficult that uh, Cincinnati will trade away from there, but um, yeah, it's going to involve multiple firsts and probably Cam. Newton but um, yeah I think uh, if I'm Cincy I'm staying put at number one but you know Tepper the, uh, the Panthers owner likes to roll the dice so be interested to see what he's got up his sleeve and then finally Raiders coach John Gruden has fired the defensive line coach Brinston Buckner and he's replacing him with Rod Manorinelli formerly of the Cowboys of course um, interesting decision actually because Buckner improved the, the Raiders uh, exponentially really 13 sacks in 2018 to 32 this year uh, and they were 30th against the run to 8th this season as well so um, yeah I'm not quite sure what that was all about but um, yeah it's, it never goes by the rule book uh, over there in Oakland or now Las Vegas I will uh, I will be the first to admit that but uh, Lawrence another bit of uh, retro stuff for you the centennial class of the Hall of Fame has been announced uh, you've got Jim Cover, over, uh, offensive tackle most recently retired of the gang uh, finished up in the 1990s uh, with the Bears um, helping create obviously holes for Walter Payton he was the number six uh, overall draft in the 1983 draft uh, Winston Hill OT that's what Tampa Bay fans have been dying on this season <laughs> couldn't couldn't, uh, couldn't help myself with that one uh, wide receiver Harold Carmichael former Eagle and Cowboys now listen to this 6 foot 8 225 pounds for wide receiver um, just short of 9,000 yards and had 79 touchdowns you, you impressed with all this uh, research I've done Lawrence um, you've done very very well I mean Carmichael was a beast back in the um, um Back in the kind of you know early eighties, I remember him. He, he was he was one of the you know, if if not one of the tallest receivers to ever play the game. Mm, yeah, um, certainly was under under coach Dick Vermeil back in the yeah back in kind of Vermeil's old stint with the Eagles. Mm. So yeah, fantastic stuff. And and, and Jimbo Pova, I remember from Super Bowl twenty. Mm. So yeah, all, all good stuff. And then 
there were, I have to admit, there were, and I know you're going to say them, there were a couple of names that I kind of just about know from back in the olden days, yeah, well, the real olden days. What about you've got, you got Duke, Duke Slater, the first African-American lineman back in the 20s? I know, I know the name. I know the name, but I, I can't say I've kind of got you, name footage. Of him. <laughs> are you saying you've not been to dinner with him, uh, Lawrence? Mm. <laughs> you not shared a no, no. not shared a three course. I'll have, I'll have to hit up his grandchildren, mm. won't I? And yeah. get some quotes. Yeah. Um, yeah, here's some, some random team names for you. Yeah, yeah. Back in the 20s, Milwaukee Badgers, the Rock Island Independents, and the Chicago Cardinals. So there you go. Uh, a couple of other names, Ed Sprinkle, Alex Karras, Bobby Dillon, Donnie Schnell, uh, and also Steve Sable. Uh, hopefully I've pronounced that right, but he's the voice on the great uh, uh, NFL films, uh, Emmy Award winning films, and um, he, he goes in with uh, Paul Tagliabue and George Young as well. So some recognition and there. And he, he joins his dad. He does, yeah. So... His dad went first, Ed Sable, who was the... He created the, the films, didn't he? Who created NFL films. Yeah, and yeah. And then Steve, Steve Sable took that over. Um, and it was, you know, sadly, you know, neither of them uh, are, are with us now. But without NFL films, I don't think... You know, we, we talk about front of the, the revolution of the NFL in the, in the mid-'80s over in this country. If it wasn't for NFL films... I would argue that the NFL wouldn't have stuck around mm. because back in back in the mid '80s, Tim, you were probably what in nappies or something certainly, at that time. Certainly was. Um, there there were video cassettes. I don't even know if you remember a thing called a video I, cassette. I, yeah, yeah, I know video cassettes. Yeah, I'm all about. Um, that. And and we we had NFL films. So I I had a videotape called Hail to the Redskins. I had one called Football Follies. I had the 1989. San Francisco 49ers tape and I, I played them to absolute death because you know there wasn't there wasn't the NFL network there wasn't YouTube to go and stream something so you had videotapes and these NFL films videotapes were were kind of the thing that brought the NFL to life for you during the during the long long period when there was no actual games being played even though there were a week delay um, this was this was something that at the time, was was your only access to the NFL, mm. and so absolute huge credit to the the Sable family for for giving us that, um, bringing the NFL to life around the world. Mm. Yeah, and absolutely. And obviously, the final mention to coaches uh, Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowher as well. Uh, probably names a bit more familiar this um, for for this kind of generation. But um, yeah, we got the whole off season, Lawrence, to to hear about your dinners with them and your meetings with all those guys. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> look forward to that. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Superb. Finally, before we get into the games, because that's actually what we're here to do, um, F- Falcons fans, you will have new uniforms for next season. They'll be uh, revealed in April, according to um, Arthur. Is it Arthur Blank, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, owner. So, uh, yeah, keep your uh, hashtag eyes peeled for that. That's all your news. That's all your notes in the around all around the NFL. So let's get to the games. Let's get to the AFC title game in second down. <laughs> Okay, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into it. AFC and NFC title games. Actually, rematches from the regular season, both of these. So, um, how about this, ladies and gentlemen? Since losing to the Titans in Week 12, the Chiefs have won eight straight games. And since losing to the 49ers in Week 12, the Packers have won seven straight. So, interesting little tidbits there for you. A little bonus stats 
uh, stats life for you, if you will. But uh, obviously, second down, Lawrence, is the Kansas City versus the Tennessee Titans. So I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs and t- tell everyone why the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. Uh, and then I'll pass it over to you and you can talk about why the Tennessee Titans will win. How does that sound? Cool. Good. Okay, right. Why will Kansas City Chiefs win this game? Well, I mean, it's not really a hard sell. One of the most explosive offenses in the league. Uh, I think of the of the four QBs that are left, this is the best one uh, still left standing. You know, you see what they you see what they can do in one quarter against Houston. Um, you know, they did it in the regular season as well against Oakland. I think in the second quarter. Um, you know, this team does is the epitome of chunk plays. They've got like you know, wide receivers that are you know, faster than you know most animal land animals. Uh, to be quite honest, um, yeah. Chris Jones obviously needs to play. He's been, yeah, he's not. He didn't practice today. I don't think if I saw the injury report right. Um, Obviously, these teams met in week 10. The Titans kind of needed all the cards to go in their way to win that one. Mahomes coming back off that injury uh, in that one. Wide receivers, like I say, fastest in the lead. Combine that with Andy Reid's kind of play calling and how he gets everyone integrated into that offense, plus the playmaking ability of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you had that toe drag uh, touchdown to Travis Kelsey last week is just you know the epitome of what he he, he does and what he can do. Um, this is Andy Reid as well. He, you know, he made Matt Moore look like Patrick Mahomes. So what you know, what can he make Patrick Mahomes look like? Um, top seven scoring offense uh, and top seven scoring defense means they can win two ways. But if you add in the third, they've got a really good uh, special teams unit. McCall Hardman, obviously, there back returning punts and kicks. Uh, he has found the end zone on one of them. He's threatened quite a few times actually, uh, as well, to get into the end zone to, to add to that tally. But um, yeah, this this Kansas City team are solid on all three sides of the ball. Um, you know the Titans kind of limped into the playoffs a little bit yes they've exploded since but I, I, I fully expect that firework has now finished that Catherine wheel has now run out and the Chiefs will win and reach the Super Bowl Lawrence why are the Tennessee Titans going to win this game okay little little bit of um, little bit of context here so obviously they had the the first game in week 10 Titans beat the Chiefs 35-32 in a game that featured a big, lung-busting, full 68-yard run from Derrick Henry and then, yep, a fortuitous blocked field goal on the final play. And just just as a wider thing here, and a bonus stats life, actually, this will be the 22nd time that conf- the conference championship will be a regular season rematch. Mm-hmm. And the advantage has actually gone to the home team winning 31, 13 of 21 rematches. And the last team to actually gain revenge for a regular season loss by winning a conference championship was back in 2013 by the Seahawks. They beat the 49ers, which is obviously the, the game we're coming on to, mm. which includes the 49ers. And that, that game back in 2013 featured a touchdown from Beast Mode. So nothing's changed in, <laughs> in about eight years. Yeah. So the Titans and the Chiefs, Chiefs actually lead the all-time matchup 29-24 and 1. Um, they are 1 and 1 in Super Bowl playoffs and one win for the team when they were called the Dallas Texans in back in 1962. Yep. And that was a double overtime game. But here's where it gets interesting. The Titans have won the last four matchups against the Chiefs. Yep. Only by a combined 22 points, but they've won the last four. So, standing at 11-7, could the Titans become the first team in NFL history to beat their same conference division winners in a single season? Mm. They've already dispensed the Texans, they've beaten the Patriots and the Ravens 
they t- if they scalp the Chiefs, that'll be the first time in NFL history that a team has beaten all four division winners and in a row, which yep. is just crazy. Yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So if we include the Houston Oilers record and the Dallas Texans record, along with the Titans, then this is the franchise's sixth conference championship game. Three for the Oilers, one being in the AFL back in 67, two consecutive between 78 and 79, both as wildcard teams and both ending in defeats to the eventual Super Bowl winning Steelers. As the Titans, they reached the AFC title game in 99 and 2002. They beat the Jaguars in 99 and lost to the Raiders in 02. So this will be the Titans' third AFC championship in their 21-year existence in Tennessee. They have, of course, played in one Super Bowl, 34, suffering one of, I would say, one of the three most heartbreaking losses in the final. If you remember, Mike Jones, the Rams linebacker, tackled Kevin Dyson at the one-yard line as the Titans looked to tie up the game in the dying seconds but didn't quite get there. In the past 10 seasons, the Titans actually haven't won their division. But despite that, they're 3-1 and one in the playoffs. Outside of this season, the Titans' only playoff win in the past 17 seasons was in 2017 against none other than Chiefs. the Chiefs. <clears throat> so, what are the big strengths of the Titans? Well, we can't go any further without talking the running game and namely the hottest running back in the NFL, Derrick Henry, who became the first back in NFL history to record three consecutive 180-plus rushing games, something that Emmitt Smith, Walter Payton, or even Jim Brown didn't manage to get. The Titans are actually averaging a scary 209 rushing yards in the playoffs, having averaged just under 139 yards in the regular season, which was third behind the, I think it would have been the Ravens and the 49ers. Henry won the NFL rushing crown, 1,540 yards. Where the jaw actually hits the floor is that in the two playoff games, he has already ran for an equivalent of 24% of his regular season total. (laughs) And that's a a Lawrence special there. I didn't look, I've made that one up there. (laughs) You know, I did the maths for that one. Didn't find that anywhere. And here we go, little retro alert. In postseason history, only two running backs have ever gone over 500 yards in a playoff campaign. Broncos running back Terrell Davis with 581 yards in 1997. But the leader all time is the Redskins powerhouse, John Riggins, who went for 610 yards in 1982. And Tim, what do both of these backs have in common? Uh, no idea. They both won the Super Bowl and they both got MVPs. Ooh. So, at this rate, it's time to lay a bet on Derek Henry as the Super Bowl MVP. Mm. You'll probably get some, not as good an odds as you would have three weeks ago, but you'll probably get something healthy still. Mm. So, other strengths of the Titans. Ryan Tannehill's efficiency. From the point he replaced the ineffective Marcus Mariota this season, Tannehill ended the 17-game slate with the highest rating in the league. Whilst Tannehill is not famed for being a true dual-threat quarterback, he does know how to find a crease. He was the Titans' third leading rusher and the only player, aside from Henry, to get more than one regular season touchdown on the ground. He had four. 
In a backfield that's led by the Beaver, Tannehill managed 10 rushing attempts in the playoffs. He's an accurate passer, 62.5% lifetime and 70.3% this season alone. Other strengths for the Titans, they're secondary. Cornerbacks Logan Ryan and Adoree Jackson, safeties Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro, I think are a really tough unit without being household names. Ryan and Byard, whilst not being recognised as all pros, both finished sixth in the voting on the all pro um, from that 50-person panel. So not first or second, but at least getting some degree of recognition. And it was Ryan, don't forget, who a couple of weeks ago was the person who ended the Patriots' playoff participation with a late pick six. This is a unit that is far, far superior to the Texans, who got completely whitewashed last week. A mm. couple of other names to mention on the on the Titans team that I just want to pick out. Defensive tackle Jarrell Casey. You've got to love a defensive tackle who started 137 of 139 games with the same team. Four-time Pro Bowler. He's, has, he's had five sacks or more for the last seven seasons. This coming from a defensive tackle. And he registered his first two playoff quarterback takedowns actually against Lamar Jackson just last week. Casey's been twice voted the Titans Water Payton Man of the Year. And little-known fact here, he actually coaches a women's flag football team made up of Titans wags. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent there's, there's a little, there's a little <laughs> nugget for you. Yeah. Um, the other guy we've got to give credit to, and here's, oh, I, you know I love testing you, Tim. Oh, Who goodness. was the Titans' one and only all-pro? Well, this season? Yep. Oh, uh, Rashawn Evans. No, it was their punter. Oh, Brett Kern. Kern. Yeah. Like a fine wine, I think Kern's matured with age. First nine seasons under the radar before his 10th in 2017, where he made the first of three Pro Bowl appearances. He's only had five pumps blocked from 912 in the season. And when it comes down to a game of inches, as it did with Jacob Hollister being tackled a few weeks ago, having a punter that can boot the ball long and hit coffin corners is a huge advantage. And finally, for the Titans, head coach Mike Vrabel. It is Vrabel's first postseason as a head coach, but he won three rings as a player for the New England Patriots in just a four-year stretch. And here we go. This has got to be one of the greatest single stat lines in NFL history. Vrabel's catches, 12. Vrabel's touchdowns, 12. 12 catches, 12 touchdowns for a career. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so, Titans' weaknesses. I think they, they, they have got a couple of weaknesses. Field goal kicking. The team is an absolutely appalling 8 for 18 on field goal attempts. So that is why Ryan Tannehill is so efficient in the red zone is because they are scared to kick field goals. So the other thing is the Titans' pass rush. No player had more than nine sacks. First-round rookie, the defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons, only had two regular season sacks. And then, obviously, playoff experience. This is Ryan Tannehill's only his third career playoff game and his only postseason in his career. So he hasn't got that kind of um, sort of muscle memory of the playoffs to look back on. Mm. Keys for a Titans win goes without saying. Beat Derek Henry the ball, 25 to 30 carries, and they can dominate time of possession, keep Mahomes off the field. 
special teams tackling, which is going to be a hell of a lot better than the Texans special teams tackling. That spark that the Chiefs had from that McCall Hardman kick return. Hardman on Tyreek Hill by increases, then the um, Titans are in trouble. Mm. And then I think the other thing they've got to do, and it's been a deliberate part of the game plan, so this is not someone who's playing poorly, but I think they do need to find A.J. Brown the ball. He's, he's had three catches in his last three games, which is, you know, it's a real shame for a guy who, who electrified the NFL in the in the second half of the season, especially as someone who should traditionally hit, hit a rookie wall. So it, it seems like he has hit a bit of a wall, but it's also been part of the game plan. Mm. I mean, you, when you fed Derrick Henry the ball 30 times, three games in a row, there's not a lot of room for, for a lot else. Yeah. So he's been used as a decoy to get a, a safety kind of um, to trail with him so he gets safety out of the box. Now is the time to unleash a bit of um, a bit of AJ Brown love. Mm. So there we go. Mm. That's my my keys for a Titans win. I'm I'm really fascinated to see how the Titans Titans defense plays in this one because I, I know you mentioned there about obviously Jeffrey Simmons, but he's been an absolute monster the last couple of games um, as well. So um, yeah, really like that front seven for Tennessee Titans. Really gonna be fascinating how Eric Fisher and that uh, Kansas City offensive line uh, can can tackle those guys because they've been playing lights out and so on that back end as well. Uh, been really good. I really like uh, Kevin Bayard as well. He's a guy that I, I mean I don't play IDP leagues in fantasy football, but um, I remember when I did a couple of years ago and uh, Kevin Bayard was on my was on my team. But yeah, some good players on that defense. So um, yeah, very very interesting game indeed. All right, that's the AFC side of things. So now it's time to look over onto the the NFC. Okay, we will switch around in terms of favourites. So, Lawrence, um, tell us all about the um, this, this game and why the San Francisco 49ers can win. Okay, so historically, there's there's been quite a lot of these contests played. The Packers lead the series 36, 31 and 1, and they've met seven times in the playoffs already. 49ers winning three, Packers winning four. The last time the 49ers recorded a shutout against the Packers, just because we're talking, you know, if we're looking at that that 49ers defence, they haven't recorded a shutout, a shutout against the Packers since 1954. So I don't think, I think we're going to get some points on, um, on Sunday. The teams did meet in the 1997 NFC Championship, and that was Brett Favre and Reggie White and the Packers beating the Steve Young-led 49ers 23-10 in the shadow of the Golden Gate Bridge. So there we go. So mm. the Packers do have that little bit of history with them. So we've got a 49ers team, 14-3 and going into the NFC Championship. Bearing in mind that in Week 12, the 49ers and the Packers did play, and the 49ers smashed the Packers to smithereens. 37-8. Aaron Rodgers was held to 104 yards passing and the Packers completed a paltry one of 15 third down conversions. So I think they're going to need more than one converted third down yeah, to try so. and get to a Super Bowl. Yep. Um, the 49ers have a, 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 an extremely rich history of NFC Championship games, but not necessarily the best record when they get there. So they've been to 16, yes, 16 NFC championships, six wins, 10 losses. They made three consecutive NFC championships between 2011 and 2013, one with Alex Smith and two with the 
much-wanted Colin Kaepernick. They lost Super Bowl 47 in 2013 to the Ravens. Weird facts on that game, the last scoring play in that Super Bowl was actually a safety by mm. the 49ers. Ravens punter Sam Cock running out the back of the end zone. Yeah, the reason I, I say this, the reason I say this is you can, and it used to be the case, I think the odds are short now, but it used to be you could get a hundred to one on the opening on the opening score or the closing score being a safety in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So I think the odds are like fifty to one now because people have kind of cracked, you know, wised onto it. But it used to be a hundred to one back in the day. And in that Super Bowl, the, um, the legendary Frank Gore ran for 110 yards of that game. The Niners are, in fact, 5-1 and one overall in Super Bowls. They won four with Joe Montana, who didn't throw an interception in any of the games. And Super Bowl 24, in fact, remains the biggest blowout in the Super Bowl history when they beat the Broncos 55-10. Looking at the past 10 seasons for the 49ers, They've won their division three times and are six and three in the playoffs. The last time they won their division before this season, they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. 49ers are the only surviving number one seed and the only home team to host two playoff games this season. So, strengths of the 49ers. Well, I think one of their strengths is their, their adaptability to their surroundings. They actually had, in the 2019 season, a better road record than they did a home record, going 7-1 and one on their travels. Mm. And their their wins were extremely diverse. So it ranged from a 9-0 grinder in a quagmire in Washington to outlasting the Saints 48-46 in arguably the game of the season in New Orleans. Then we've got the surprise of the running game. Not the fact that they're going to run the ball, but who is going to run the ball. Team finished second in rushing yards per game behind a combo of Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, Matt Breeder, and even Jeff Wilson Jr. But whatever you do, do not ask Jimmy Garoppolo to run the ball. I was going to say, if, if, you, if, you tell, if you tell me that Jimmy G is a strength of this sort and I assume, I'm going to come round to your house and bop you on the head. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is this. I'm totally with you. Polar opposite. His one point, his one point three yards of carry is kind of Dan Marino-esque when you're talking about quarterbacks moving. But don't forget, as part of that running game, about the fullback Carl Juszczyk, is arguably, I think, the the best fullback in football, and he is a huge, huge part of that offense. Yeah. Especially when he when he goes for it could be a screen pass, he, and they they. They put him down the field as well. They'll, they'll throw to him 30, 30, 40 yards downfield as well. Mm. I think they did that last week, didn't they? There was one. He didn't make it, but he no, was, he he was downfield. far, yeah, yeah, far yeah, yeah. downfield, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. That's not, that's not a kind of traditional fullback. So my little little pun for the day, grab a tea bag and put the kittle on. <laughs> all, all pro tight end George Kittle led the 49ers team in targets, receptions, and was the only Niner to go over a 1,000 yards in the air. His five touchdowns also paced the team, and Kittle's catch against the Saints when he dragged half the team up the sideline was easily a top 10, arguably a top five highlight of the, the regular season that's just completed. Other strengths, the 49ers' pass rush. They registered 48 regular season sacks and followed this up with six lashes of Kirk Cousins last week. 
The biggest name was obviously rookie Nick Bosa, but the leading regular season sacker was the other defensive end that no one is really talking about, Eric Armstead, who had 10 sacks and two forced fumbles. In the regular season matchup against the Packers, the 49ers had five sacks of Aaron Rodgers on his 33 attempts. So all I can say to the Packers offensive line is you better be on the ball. Mm. The offensive line as well of the 49ers, I think is a strength. It's They have gone a little bit under the radar this season. Veteran left tackle Joe Staley and Mauling, he, he is a grizzly bear of a human, human being. Right tackle Mike McGlinchey. They are not getting the headlines. Neither of them made a first team or a second team all-pro roster, but they are really solid bookends. And right guard Mike Person is even one to look out for as a bit of a late bloomer. The team averaged 4.6 yards a carry in the regular season, and they paved the way for 47 rushing attempts last week. 47 in a playoff game. You know, you, you've got to admire that. So let's have a look at the, the 49ers' weaknesses. Kicking game, I think, is a bit of a risk. Robbie Gould was injured for three weeks. He's missed eight of his 31 attempts after only missing one the season before. Did look this up, though. Fortunately for the 49ers, Robbie Gould has never missed a field goal in the postseason. Played Ooh. in eight playoff games and he has never missed a field goal. So have I put the curse on Robbie Gould? Commentator's curse. Yeah, commentator's curse. Of course I have. I've said it out loud, so I've therefore cursed Robbie Gould. So if you're a 49ers fan, blame me when Robbie Gould misses a field goal to take the game into overtime. Right. <laughs> so penalties by the defence. They've got to cut down the penalties. The team committed the seventh most penalties in the regular season. So they've got to cut down giving up cheap yardage. And then I think the, the biggest kind of obvious weakness with the 49ers is the wide receiver core, which is a real kind of sort of mixed bag of talent. You never quite know who's going to be catching the ball. No one's a dominant number one. You can't even call Emmanuel Sanders a dominant number one. He's had 36 catches and three touchdowns since he joined the red and gold. Good, but not great. I mean, it can be a 49ers advantage. as Jimmy G is going to be looking probably for Debo Samuel early and often, but there's no guarantee he has a big receiving game. So it, it could be anybody. I, I really don't look forward to kind of doing, picking a, um, a DFS team with 49ers receivers because you have no idea who's going to show up. Mm. So keys for a 49ers win. They've got to keep bringing the heat all game long. Big thing for Joey Bosa. He looked as fresh in the final two minutes of the game against the Vikings as he did in the opening two. Nick Nick Bosa. No, sorry, Nick Bosa. <laughs> sorry. Was it, was it with you in Chargers, Chargers yeah, players? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joey Bosa's wishing he was in the, um, in the playoffs. Um, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is, is 36 years old. And I think nowadays, and, and kind of at the point he is in his career, he uses more of his smarts than he does his feet to move the ball. So, 49ers will say they've got to run the ball, wear down that Packers defensive line. It might be Mostert or even Breeder that gets the lion's share of the carries. Whoever carries the ball, they need to keep hold of the rock and they, they just cannot afford to fumble away. And I think biggest key for the 49ers win is their game planning. Kyle Shanahan, I think, lives every day. I'm sure he wakes up every morning and the first thing that appears in his mind's eye is 28-3. That's completely etched in his mind. 
mm. after he he led the Falcons to a twenty point twenty five point lead in the Super Bowl, and then just saw that completely melt away. Um, before he got completely sort of Bill and Tommed in the second half of a of a Super Bowl. Shanahan's learnt his lessons and I don't think he's going to take even a one-point lead for granted and he really will want to showcase his play calling in front of a fired-up home crowd and in front of the entire nation. Hmm. There you go. There you go, Fortinanders fans. Um, Lawrence doing the business for you. I've got the unenviable task of trying to trying to pick apart whilst why Green Bay can win this game. So I'll tell you what we're going to do, Green Bay fans. What we need to do is close your eyes. No, actually, don't close your eyes. Go to go to your, your underwear drawer. Get your lucky pants. Put them on. Get Go to your sock drawer. Get your lucky socks. Put them on as well. Get, get your lucky scarf. Get your lucky hat. Get your lucky shirt. Get your lucky everything. Get your lucky cat and give it a good, give it a good stroke. Uh, and then what we need to do is close your eyes, get down on two knees, sit by uh, sit by the edge of your bed and pray to that man upstairs because that is what you're going to need to even have a sniff. Uh, <laughs> sniffing this one, but there we go. Um, no, but what do, what do they need to do to win this game? They, I think what they need to do is they kind of need to watch the uh, Tennessee Baltimore game and kind of just kind of try and pick a few pages out of that book. You know, uh, try and run the ball early. Try and get a try and get the first score, and then try and just get, get a bit plucky on defense. You know, create the odd turnover here. Jimmy Garoppolo has always got three or four bad throws in him. Um, so if you if you're even able to, um, you know, get them on third and long, get Jimmy G in a, a situation where he's having to pass. Um, try and get a turnover, create you know, create an extra possession for yourselves, and then you know, sustain your own drives. Play the 49ers at their own game. Run the ball. I know they didn't really do much uh, against uh, Minnesota last week as well, but you know, just keep trying to move the, move the chains. Keep on pace with them. Don't get behind. Don't put yourself into situations. I know you've got the talent, obviously, of Alan, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Um, outside of that, really not got too much. But um, you know, just get 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 the run game going. Um, yeah, try and do what the Titans did. Get get the first score. Be plucky. Get create a turnover. Um, but also for this one, play for sixty minutes and not thirty. You know, Packers seem to have a tendency this season of getting all their first their, their points in the first half this season. Play for sixty minutes this this game. Um, obviously, you've played them before. Watch the tape uh, in and out. You know, watch it backwards. Watch it back to front, upside down, all the rest of it. Uh, whilst wearing all your lucky your lucky uh, apparel, and um, you know, just try and make adjustments that you know you, that will help you win the game. Um, you know, if you're Mike Patton, the defensive coordinator for the Packers, again, be very selective in, in what you're what you're blitzing with the Smiths. Obviously, the Smiths were really good last week against the Vikings. When they came, they usually got home. So you have to be clever on what blitzes you bring and who you bring and when. Um, so again, that's obviously that helped them win against Seattle. So you have to continue that one on. Make them put the ball into Jimmy G's hands and say create create a lucky turnover, create something to keep them going, keep their scoreboard, the um, the 49ers scoreboard, uh, as low as possible, and then you know ground and pound it. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, um, as well. So I know, I know it's a tough ask, but you have to ask yourselves, you know, how did the Titans beat the Ravens? So um, you know if that if that happened, why couldn't this happen as well? So um, yeah, again, looking unlikely for if you're a Packers fan, but you know. It, at the end of the day, it's fifty-fifty. You've got two teams on the field. Anything, anything can happen. Uh, but you know, like you say, Lawrence getting walloped by twenty-nine point twenty-nine points um, back in the regular season. It's going to be a tough ask, but who knows? Oh, and one one tiny little factoid that I forgot is we know Aaron Rodgers has already got a ring. Mm. Jimmy Garoppolo mm. has already got two rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So, oh, I'll tell you what, so, I, did, I saw a really good stat um, saying that so this is the first time uh, in a championship game where I think two teams are playing with quarterbacks that didn't play in their first two seasons. Yeah, oh, they, that's a good one. That's mm, a good one. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Rogers behind Brett Favre and Jimmy G behind Tommy Brady for those that are a bit, maybe a bit more new to the game. So, yeah. Yeah, not, not bad places to serve your apprenticeships, are they? <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, no absolutely not. Uh, right, okay, sorry, sorry, Lance, I interrupted you. No, 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 that, that's, all, that's all I was saying about the, the ring thing. Oh, yes, yeah, of, yeah. It's, it's just one of, you know, it's when you, when you kind of look up Jimmy G's stats, he didn't, he didn't record uh, a meaningful stat in either of the two Super Bowls, but he's, he's got those rings and he's got that experience. Yeah. So I think that's the reason. It's the first time he's he's played a 16-game schedule this season, mm. and he really has proved himself. It does help when you when you you know you've had when you've got Nick Bosa on the other side, you've got a, a defense that has been drafted over the past three seasons. They've they've just gone defensive line, defensive line, defensive line, and it's starting to pay off now. But having that experience, I mean, that, that there's no greater apprenticeship on the, the planet Earth than spending time watching Tom Brady win mm. Super Bowl after Super Bowl. So, mm. you know, he, he, he knows what it takes. He knows what it's like to be in a locker room to win. He knows what it's like to come back from adversity. So, you know, the the, the, the um, odds are really, really stacked against the Packers, mm. I think. Mm. I was, it was interesting, actually, Jimmy Garoppolo's comments uh, this week about, um, obviously, he said that his ACL was a blessing in disguise because, obviously, it meant they got Nick Bosa. So, uh, that was an interesting way of looking at it. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, but we shall see uh, this this Sunday. Okay, let's uh, get on to fourth down. Fourth down. Okay, just before we head out of here and the referees come running in, I thought it would be a good idea. Just a, a quick early prediction, if you like. You can never make a too early a prediction. But uh, obviously, you know, what, 12 teams made the playoffs this season, which means 20 that didn't. So let's, uh, we'd, I thought we'd take a quick look at teams that made it to the postseason this year that potentially could miss out next season. Uh, and for those that are looking in, who may actually be in the, the playoffs next season as well. So let's have a quick reminder, Lawrence, of the AFC and the NFC playoff uh, teams this season. Baltimore, Kansas City. New England, Houston, Buffalo and Tennessee on the AFC side and then the NFC, San Francisco, Green Bay, New Orleans, Philadelphia, Seattle and Minnesota. Give us uh, give us one, one or two teams, Lawrence, that uh, you think that made the playoffs this season but won't make it next. Do you want me to make you happy? Philadelphia Considering, Eagles? Yeah, <laughs> I, am, I am genuinely going for the Philadelphia Eagles probably for two reasons. One, I'm a Redskins fan and two... <laughs> It, it, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it, with Carson Wentz? I mean, this is this is an Eagles team that scraped into the playoffs with a you know nine and seven record. We knew they weren't going to go far. Unfortunately, what got them into the playoffs was that Week 16 win against your Cowboys. Yep. But Carson Wentz is unfortunately getting a reputation for being a bit brittle, and he's never managed to get through. A full playoff game in his career. He's had his number two quarterback end up playing in every playoff game that he could possibly play in. The Eagles, I think, have really lost their sense of identity. I don't quite know where they're heading. 
Um, and with Mike McCarthy now heading up America's team, I can see the Cowboys and, and you know, I'll say this once, Tim. I'll say it on record. I won't say it again. <laughs> yeah. I think the Cowboys are going to get 11 wins next season and the Eagles seven. Mm. Well, you thought that the Dallas Cowboys were going to win a Super Bowl this year, so you put the mockers on it. So, Yes, yes. <laughs> so I've officially cursed them. So, okay, they'll they'll go, they'll go 11 and five and then get knocked out in the divisional round. Mm. So, yeah, make, make, of, make of it what you will. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that. Um, right, yeah, so I've, I've got a couple. I've got one for the NFC and one for the AFC. So NFC, Minnesota Vikings... Um, I, I think th- this team's not far away from all the Jenga pieces falling from this tower, to be quite honest. Um, I think Mike Zimmer and co are getting a bit annoyed with Kirk Cousins. Obviously, we've had you know, whispers and um, yeah, stuff going on during the season. They've not been really happy with Kirk Cousins. Obviously, they're stuck with him due to his uh, fully guaranteed contract. But, you know, Thielen and Diggs are only good if there's both of them on the field. They've not been healthy at points this season. Um, you know, the same as Davin Cook as well. So, uh, it could be a very uh, difficult season for them for them next year as well. So, um I do wonder. Obviously, NFC North is it can be quite tough as well. So, uh, Minnesota Vikings were my kind of earmarked team for the NFC side of things. Uh, AFC side, I kind of went New England slash Houston. Um, Houston, you know, next couple of years mentioned it on the podcast on Monday. No, no, next to no draft picks uh, for the next couple of years that are worth very much indeed. So, um, they've kind of made their bed. They've got got a lie in it. I know they've got Deshaun Watson and all the playmakers and offense, but again, there's some some injury worries there. So, um, you know, Deshaun Watson's knocks and sacks could uh, end up him get resulting in an injury. Uh, and then over in New England, you know, it could be a change at the QB position. You know, Julian Edelman has to stop at some point. And let's be honest, the defence was quite patchy down the stretch as well. No one really uh, fears them anymore. I think the fear factor has gone from from Foxborough, especially when Tennessee go in there and, and, and kill them. Um, you know, the Bills, Buffalo Bills nearly caught them in the division, the AFC East this season. They can taste blood. Um, and of course, Miami had a good, uh, impressive season towards the end there as well. So they're heading in the right direction. So you know, it's not far beyond the realms of possibility that uh, New England uh, can miss out next season as well. I know it's uh, crazy to think, considering how many playoffs they've been over the last decade. I think what they've been to all of them. Um, so yeah, uh, those are, those are kind of the three teams I had earmarked in terms of missing the playoffs that made it this season. Okay, let's flip it. Let's flip it on its head a little bit, Lawrence. Who do you think uh, from the outside looking in uh, will be making the playoffs next season? Let's see if we agree on this one. I have got a wild card. I definitely haven't got a division win, but I have got a wild card entry for the New York Jets. Oh bloody hell! There you go. So it was a shock. It was. They are, they are literally so low down on my on my list. <laughs> well, tell I, me more. I mentioned, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. This this it, it's kind of surprising when you look at where they finished seven and nine. So they didn't they didn't finish. They they weren't a, a, a complete disgrace by the end of the season, mm. and they won six of their last eight. Yes, the opponents weren't the you know, the, t- the last four teams in the Super Bowl race. <laughs> but still, winning six of your last eight games, it, it's got to be something you can build on going into the off-season. Sam Darnold, yes, he has not been a pretty watch. And, you know, hopefully he stops snogging strangers um, long enough to actually remain on the field. But I think this is a team on the rise with a, a sneaky good defence, Jamal Adams, Quinn and Williams, the defensive lineman. We've got Le'Veon Bell, who I think will have acclimatised within a season. 
and Jameson Crowder, who is a, an under-the-radar talent as a receiver. So I could see um, 2020 as the first non-playoffs Patriots team in a long time. I think you've, you've just called that, Tim. So call the Jets my dark horses already mm. for 2020. And don't forget who my dark horses were for the 2019 season. That was the 14-2 and two Baltimore Ravens. Mm. So... There you go. Put your 50 pence each way on the Jets reaching the 2020 playoffs. Oof, yeah, I'm not, not, not overly convinced on that one. I, yeah, in being, That's why I said 50 yeah, yeah. P, not yeah, yeah, 50 yeah. pounds. No, I will say this. Uh, I, don't, I don't think any any team coached by Adam Gase is, is it um, behind the eight ball already when the season starts. But yeah, we shall we should, we should see. Um, I've, gone for, I've, gone, I've gone for a couple. Uh, my dark horse, Tampa Bay. Uh, be the second year under Bruce Arians. Carolina could spend the next few years um, in the mire, obviously getting used to Matt Rowe and his system. Is Cam Newton there? Is he not? Are they transitioning to a new quarterback? Uh, and Atlanta, a wild card. They're an up and, te- up and down team. And New Orleans, uh, what's to say Drew Brees regresses and fall off, falls off a cliff next season? Uh, I think the NFC South is all to play for, so Tampa Bay are a bit of a dark horse shot for me. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, I won't go into too great detail because uh, obviously I'm a Cowboys fan, so of course I'm going to say that, but Decent talent on the roster, Mike McCarthy in as well, so it'd be interesting to see if he can get the most out of that offence. Uh, in terms of the AFC, uh, I've gone for Denver. Uh, quite like what I've seen under Drew Locke. Um, be his second year in the league now, uh, going into, into 2020. Uh, very young on both sides of the ball, learning. They've got some great talent, Cortland Sutton and all the rest, Philip Lindsay and all the rest of them as well. So um, I did have Cleveland down, but as soon as I wrote it, I deleted it. So I can't I can't do that. Uh, sorry, Sean, I can't. I just can't do it. Um, there's just a too much going on there. But yeah, they're, they're the kind of guys that I had kind of earmarked as well. So I'm um, interested to see if we you know, we'll revisit, revisit this ne- this time next year, Lawrence, and see how we did. Yeah, I think that's a good call on the Broncos. I did look at them mm. and then I just thought, the way we know there's there's some statistic, isn't there, that that for forever there's always a, a couple of teams that haven't made the yeah. playoffs that make the playoffs the next season. It always yeah. happens. There's yeah, always yeah. somebody that that's kind of come out of the shadows, and and I think with with that Jets team, they we know that they're in the shadows. In fact, I can't remember watching a Jets game this entire season. Mm. I don't think I don't I've done how many times they were on Sky. I think it was minimal. Um, and I, you know, it's I, I need to spend a bit of off season watching some some Jets games. Oof. You know, obviously that's a bit of, bit of punishment. Really, rather, yeah, rather you than me, mate. Yeah, <laughs> if, I, if I'm going to make this bold prediction, I've got to back it up somehow. So I need to I need to do a bit of research there. Do you want to do you want to go do you want to go a sandwich bet next season? Uh, Tampa Bay versus the Jets, best best regular season We're, record. We are on like Donkey Kong. There you yeah. go. First one, deal. first bet in the uh, 2020 season in the books already, and we're in the awesome. 16th of January. Awesome. How about that? Uh, okay, let's know at full ten yards on Twitter or at NFL fan in England for Lawrence at Tim underscore Bunk uh, F Tim Y. Let's know who you think your dark horses are. Let's know who you think will miss the playoffs that made it this season, or let's know who you think are shoo-ins to make the playoffs that missed out this year. But the referees are running in. It's time for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Okay, just a couple of minutes left to give you everything full 10 yards. Obviously, takeaways uh, done by uh, Lawrence. Obviously, they're up as well for their all-to-read, recapping the divisional round games. 
Um, very much go and check that out very good read indeed the betting pod slash article will be coming up at the weekend we preview the, obviously the two games from a betting standpoint uh, the big fat NFL quiz of the 2019 season will be released next week uh, as we'll, some, yeah, we'll start rolling out the season in review articles all 32 teams ladies and gentlemen will be reviewed here at full 10 yards HQ don't forget, uh, forget to subscribe uh, to the podcast if you enjoy it if you enjoy our giveaways well done to those guys that we've recently sent out some prizes to us on Twitter as well go and check those out enjoying their t-shirts and their scarves and all the rest of it uh, but if you enjoy those if you enjoy our prizes enjoy our competitions maybe some of our segments as well please 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 go and subscribe please go and tell a friend share the love with someone that uh, might not necessarily know we are here because we uh, we really love the game and we love telling, telling all you guys about it we really would appreciate it uh, we're planning already for the off-season content and I've even written some plans down for next season as, uh, too so make sure you stay stay tuned keep those eyes peeled but Lawrence that's going to do it for the podcast hope you enjoyed it I hope everyone out there listening enjoyed it enjoy watching the championship games uh, so just the three games left to go but we'll be back on Monday to break it all down but Lawrence thanks for joining us mate in the meantime it's goodbye from you cool oh we we have done our listeners a disfavour haven't we we haven't made our predictions for the Super Bowl oh alright oh I'm going Kansas City San Francisco okay I am going to call the upset I'm officially calling the upset. I'm calling a Tennessee Titans San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl. There you go. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, Yep. So it's a goodbye from you. (laughs) Take care. It's a goodbye from me in the great words of Kevin Cadle. It's a bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.